Welcome to the Currently Cringing Podcast. I'm your host, Anisha Ramakrishna. I'm a TV personality and entrepreneur. Join me as I spill the chai on my cringeworthy life experiences with a side of dating, pop culture, and lots of laughs. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the Currently Cringing Podcast. I'm your host, Anisha Ramakrishna. I'm a TV personality and entrepreneur. Join me as I spill the chai on my cringeworthy life experiences with a side of dating, pop culture, and lots of laughs. Hey guys, welcome to Currently Cringing. Today my guest is Seerath Chavla, and I actually found you on Instagram. I'm a big fan of your work. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. It's like I came across your page and you have a very different approach. You know, a lot of what Mm. we see on social media is, you know, telling us to love ourselves. And you talk about anti-coddling. And I love that because I grew up with tough love. I just spent the weekend at my parents' house. And, you know, there's something about tough love. You know, I'm very grateful for it. And I think you grow thick skin and you just know how to navigate the world better. Yeah. Um, I like the way you put that about thick skin. Um, So first, I'd like to just kind of clarify, I think there's a lot of misconceptions around what tough love is. And there's this assumption that tough love means being cruel to be kind. And I don't think that's actually true. I think tough love is, is love. It's what love is meant to be when you have someone's best interests at heart and you know, you're know you caring and you're sort of, you have a relationship with them, but you don't enable them. And that's what coddling is. It's this kind of enabling, um, you know, treating people with kid gloves, even when they're grown adults and the thick skin thing. That's such a good way to put it because when you're treated like that and you're sort of, um, treated and ugh, I don't know what the right word is, but raised in a way that you're really fragile and incapable, I think you end up developing a very, very thin skin. 
And, and yeah, and the response to that is even more coddling. So you have thin skin, hug yourself more. It's just, it's not helpful. Yes. And being on the other side as someone who did grow up, you know, that way. And, you know, I was taught to fend for myself uh, with a lot of independence. And sometimes I feel like maybe I'm being offensive because we are told to be kind all the time, right? And it's not that I'm being mean. I'm just saying something, right? That might be a general statement, but then I'm viewed as a villain or (laughs) someone that might be hard or harsh. That's what I've been called. Or as in social media now, we we start to call these women a bitch, right? And Mm -hmm. it's, it's just saying something that I would hear maybe in my house. And maybe I tell people, that's how I was raised. You know, we are all a product at some point of our environment. And so I feel like a lot of times I tend to be maybe too blunt for most of society. <laughs> it's also such a big cultural difference. You know, we're both South Asian, we're Indian, and it's such a different. And I find it so interesting that in the West, people who, you know, they talk about cultural competency and being sort of um, accommodating and inclusive of other people's cultures. But when they come across someone who actually behaves as though they're from a different culture, they don't know how to, to how to cope with it immediately. You're, you're a terrible person, you're harsh and you're whatever. And it's sort of like, no, we just, we aren't brought up to be this soft. There's a big difference. There's just a massive difference. Yes. I always say my mom would say, I'm going to give you one tight slap, you know, and we say it jokingly, <laughs> but I got a lot of slaps. You know? <laughs> I definitely, I think, you know, we could probably avoid giving kids slaps, slaps, but one tight slap is such a common, you know, there's no Indian on earth, whether or not they grew up in India that doesn't know that expression. Exactly. So you are a London-based psychotherapist. Yeah. What is psychotherapy versus traditional psychology? So psychology is the study of, um, you know, the mind and behavior and the lots and lots of different branches of psychology. It's like, it's a science. Um, So, you know, organizational psychology, criminal forensic, um, there's just lots and lots of branches of this, of this science of, of human behavior and of the mind. Um, Psychotherapy is more of a practice. It's almost something that is on the intersection between a science and an art. Um, It's something that takes a lot of practice to be able to do well. And essentially it's sitting, just to put it in the simplest way possible, psychotherapy happens between two people. So you and I sitting in a room in privacy together and speaking. And as you speak, we start to find connections and patterns and the associations um, and develop sort of a cohesive narrative of what is happening in your mind, how the past is impacting the present, work on things, um, you know, look at what's happening in the present, understand why they're happening. Um, and, you know, to put the the simplest way um, to explain psychotherapy would be to make the unconscious conscious. Wow, I love that. And how did you get started? Um, probably from being an extremely fucked up person <laughs> and trying to understand what, why, um, why I, you know, I, I had PTSD, which was undiagnosed and I didn't know. And I was, um, 
you know, in in my own words, would have said I was just extremely fucked up and didn't understand what was happening to me inside me. Um, and so I was pretty attracted to um, better understanding the mind and how it works. And, you know, I think that's what attracts a lot of people to this field probably. So, you know, the stereotype that psychotherapists are the craziest yes. ones of all. Maybe the therapists <laughs> need the therapy. Yeah. Well, in England, you have to. You can't qualify unless you've had a lot of therapy. So by the time you're qualified, you're, you're you know, a fairly sorted person. And most therapists tend to have their own therapy as well. And now, do you mind sharing your PTSD diagnosis and your experience? Um, I probably won't go into detail about what happened, but... Um, I found myself just, you know, some of the classic PTSD symptoms of um, isolating and having flashbacks, nightmares, night terrors, not sleeping. Um, My functioning was very, very badly impacted. Um, And just sort of the whole constellation of symptoms that go along with PTSD that can be, when untreated, really debilitating. Okay. And I also listened uh, to you on so many other platforms. I think you have a great story and what you're doing is incredible. You actually started working for the NHS, which is Mm -hmm. the health system in the UK, and Mm -hmm. you worked with refugees. Um, I worked with refugees before the NHS. and the NHS, it was a mix of people. So... um, you know, you could see anyone from someone who's really, really low income to just somebody who's registered at that GP surgery, but their mental health symptoms were severe enough that they ended up in the service I was working for. So the NHS was a mix. Prior to the NHS, I worked with refugees for um, a little while. Um, People from Afghanistan and um, yeah, so that was some of my prior experience. And obviously in those you know, circumstances, you're seeing a lot of trauma, a lot of, I don't want to say real trauma, but people who have experienced a lot of things that most of us in the Western world, I'd say, have never experienced. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, um, I'd even thought that my experience was fairly extreme and severe. And then you talk to people who've left Afghanistan and Jesus Christ have been through nothing compared to you. And, you know, obviously I can't say what it was because confidential what they told me, but yeah, the horrors that you can't even imagine. Yeah. And I, I've also heard you say we have kind of bastardized the word trauma. Yeah, we have in our society and in social media, please. Tell us more about your thoughts. Um, Well, this seems to be a very, again, a very Western thing. I think it's very connected to the epidemic of coddling and um, uh, not psychotherapy. The word trauma has been subject to something called concept creep. And that's where a term is sort of the, the meaning gets watered down and diluted and it kind of changes what it is so we're seeing that with so many important words trauma being one of them where trauma used to mean someone who was like these um you know afghani refugees someone or someone who's been to war or someone who's been 
um, like myself, uh, through pretty severe violence, um, you know, very serious things. And they leave you traumatized, meaning that really severe thing you've been through has left an injury on you. So we understood what that meant, you know, intuitively, even if you couldn't have said the the criteria and um, generally, you know, people could intuit what that meant. Now that's been completely sort of um, diluted and, and let's say broken down. And I, I'd say broken down because I think it's pretty deliberate. It's deliberately been broken down to include just normal life experiences. Like, um, you know, when I was a kid, my parent did, parents didn't meet 100% of my needs. Well, nobody's did. That's a, that's normal. There's absolutely no parent on earth who meant, who met 100% of their child's needs. And it's sort of people who, um, come from affluent middle-class backgrounds, um, grown up in the first world, you know, you already kind of won the, the geographic lottery yep. and all your, your needs were met. Your, your, you know, your food in your belly, you had a roof over your head, um, you had all the toys you wanted. And, and then they grow up and turn around and say, no, it was trauma because, um, you know, this specific experience I wish I had, I didn't have, or, um, every single one of my thoughts and desires weren't validated. You know, the word validation seems to come up in these circles rather a lot. Um, so, yeah, and that's, it's not trauma. And it's it's an, a very insidious thing because it's taking away language from people who have been traumatized, um, which is one problem. The other thing is that it overinflates the severity of something. And I think that causes mental distress. I think there are a lot of people who are being misinformed. They're not bad people. They're just, you know, in good faith listening to somebody um, or many somebodies who are telling them this stuff. And they think, right, well, this is a therapist or a psychologist or someone who claims they understand mental health. And I'm just going to listen to them and believe them. And, oh, God, I have trauma. Now I have to heal. And um, it creates it. It's creating a pro- a problem where there wasn't one wasn't one it's that whole you know stop trying to fix what isn't broken um and while doing it causing just a whole slew of problems that didn't exist before i completely agree with you and i had some self reflection after listening to you actually you know i am now going to try and remove the word trauma ptsd toxic from my vocabulary because I definitely have not been traumatized. I don't have PTSD. And we've kind of now created, as you've said, these buzzwords in social media and put them in meme culture now. And so now it's almost a joke like, oh, I have trauma or I have PTSD. And there are real people out there that have had extreme you know, circumstances, and they actually have trauma. And now we have just created these buzzwords for the sake of a joke or attention, I would want to say. And now we all say we have trauma. And that's definitely not the case. And you also talked about seeing those posts on social media, like you are valid, you are worthy. And, (laughs) you know, oh, attachment styles. And now we all look to these words, see what is convenient and applies to our current situation. And then we create an identity based off of these 
words we found on social media and then start going onto the internet and researching, you know, what we have and misdiagnosing ourselves. You know, I was kind of cackling because that is me. It's embarrassing. I'm admitting it on this episode, but talking to you and listening to you, realizing what a fool I have been at times, you know, where you said we might say we have an anxious attachment style because of some definition we read on the internet. Meanwhile, maybe that person just has a thyroid issue. (laughs) They need to go to a doctor. And maybe the internet, you know, we hear isn't the place for, you know, diagnosing yourself. But I think we're reaching a scary place now in society, a time where we're not only diagnosing ourselves medically, you know, health-wise, but we're also diagnosing mental health using the internet. And that's terrifying. Yeah. It's like um, Insta therapy is like WebMD, but for mental health, where everything, no matter what symptoms you type in, trauma. And, you know, imagine if we did that for physical health. Imagine if no, if you have if you have a flu or you have COVID or you have a cold or you have a broken leg, no matter what, it's always cancer. Do you can you like yes. and why? And you, you can't no, you can't. um say that only people with cancer should have that label because it's invalidating the people with the flu. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. It's always a brain tumor or cancer, like the worst case scenario. But (laughs) you mentioned a word. I think it's a buzz word you've coined. What is Mm -hmm. instant therapy? Insta therapy. Insta therapy is sort of what I've been calling this, um, absurd niche on Instagram, which I am very much a part of. So I mean, a level, uh, you know, a chunk of this criticism at myself as well. Um, But it's therapists who've taken to the internet and, you know, have pages and they talk about whatever. I tend tend to criticize it a fair amount (laughs) because I really hate it. And I think I almost feel as though it's it's a bit of a public service at this point, because I think people there's such a sort of sort of um, information overload that I don't think people can pass out, especially people who aren't, you know, don't have some kind of background in mental health or haven't read extensively about it, or just like normal people who are interested. Um, they can't always pass out, well, what's true and what's not. Um, and I find, you know, I get a lot of questions, so I just end up making that content a lot. Um, but it's, you know, the exact memes you see that tell you, you know, that self-indulgent, self-indulgence is self-care or um, that, you know, you're worthy and you're valid and you should hug yourself more and light the candle and that, you know, everyone you don't like is a toxic narcissist and everyone you, you know, just, just really, yeah, all that stuff or that you're triggered or you have trauma and it's, it's, you know, reducing something very complex and very nuanced, like you said, into meme culture. And as a result, crucial meaning is lost and people don't know what they're, you know, you can't, you can like, you know, use the example of um, anxious attachment, which is a really good one because people read the stuff and they, yeah, in this relationship I had with this person who, you know, whoever, I must have anxious attachment because that, but there's no context given. They're not thinking, well, was that person behaving in a way that anybody would react with some anxiety to that behavior? 
you know, sometimes people lead you on. Every normal person has a bit of anxiety in that situation. Or do you just in general have anxiety and it's manifesting in relationships? Or is that, you know, a relational trauma issue that's not related to attachment wounding? Or as you pointed out, the thyroid issue, maybe you have an overactive thyroid and you're, it's a physiological reason for your anxiety. None of that context is given. There's no, you know, you, I would never say to a client, you have anxious attachment after even one session. It's an on, you know, you'd hardly even use that language anyway, but it would be an ongoing conversation over time where you understand so many different things very deeply and you bring them together, which is why I don't make content that says, hey, when you were a kid, if this happened to you, it means that as an adult, you do this because you can't know. There's no, there's just, there's no if then really in psychotherapy, hardly any. Um, So all of that. And I think there's also a significant swathe of therapy influencers who are on there to be, you know, like self-help gurus, or they want to be rich and famous, or they just want clout. And, you know, what you're I think the dope the the dopamine kind of issue with Instagram and with the algorithm also incentivizes behaving in this way. Um, and people find they're rewarded for saying complete bullshit. So they say it again and again and again, because that like count is really addictive and really seductive, as is the follower count thing. So what gets rewarded gets repeated. Whereas the kind of more nuanced, sensible thinking people, um, they, you know, that stuff doesn't go viral in the same kind of way. Absolutely. I think we are living in a dangerous world filled with life coaches and positivity mindset gurus, and everyone's trying (laughs) to sell a book or a course or a guide and PSA to the audience. Don't buy the course. <laughs> uh, get real help. You know, someone, yeah. you know, some influencer, a positivity influencer, whatever you want to call it, that that's not the person with the answer for the most part. They most probably want to get rich, right? These courses are thousands of dollars. And I'm only mentioning this because my own friends in my personal life, close friends, They've spent thousands on these courses. People are buying these courses. That's, yeah, it's really sad. And even I didn't know um, much about life coaching or this whole kind of coaching industry that's based on social media until I joined Instagram a couple of years ago. And the fees these coaches with no credentials charge people, they're, um, I mean, that to exorbitant is an understatement. They charge tens of thousands of dollars yeah. for a month of coaching with somebody who's gonna. What are they gonna tell some mindset stuff they've read on Instagram? Like manifest I don't, your whole life. You know, you can have yeah. what I have, and it's what they have is because you bought the course. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing that I'm seeing more and more of this. People who are, um. Uh, selling you know how to get rich how you can have the life i have you know and and there's a lot of holiday porn and wealth porn all that kind of stuff on their feed 
to you know show off what a great life they have and how wealthy they are and how well they're doing but they only have that wealth because they've tricked you into thinking that they have some secret to tell you so people buy these courses there's one i've seen that's going for i think it's $2000 this woman sells her course for to teach people how to use instagram to make courses so they can be as rich as her wow um it's just and it's all this again part of insta therapy this kind and it's not to say there aren't any useful coaches of course there are um and it's also not to say that there aren't coaches who recognize the you know the limits of their whatever it is like there's there's coaches for everything from fitness to nutrition to business to um mindset and that's all fine there's a place for that and if they want you know people are more into doing that go for it but if you have a mental health issue that's not where you go that's just not the place to go and any coach who um coaches have absolutely no business treating mental health issues that's the other thing absolutely there's no exceptions to this yes and now how did you get started on instagram what made you start posting because i know you're a very private person yeah. Um, I think uh, a stroke of lunacy, I think, brought me to Instagram. But um, I did a, I did a, speaking of courses, I did a course that was about how to, um, it was not really a course, it was more of a masterclass or something, but it was how to market your private practice. And this is when I was thinking, I'm going to start my private practice. So I did this thing and it said that, you know, the way everyone does it now is on social media. So if you're a therapist, you have to be on social media. And I thought, well, I don't love the sound of that, but I can give it a try. And, you know, it might be a challenge and it might be interesting. And, um, I started off and, you know, slowly worked at it and it kind of became a bit of a challenge for me. Definitely got bitten by the dopamine bug. And I found that um, the more people that started gathering to like, you know, following and um, liking and being interested in my stuff, the more of an incentive it was to keep posting. And it's been a bit of a journey to sort of go through that process of I don't want don't really want to do this I'm going to do it oh wait this is really fun now um I'm you know I'm getting followers and and likes and people are interested in what I have to say to then go but hang on a minute I don't want to be manipulated by that um so it's been to say that it sounds very simple and easy but it's been a few years you know like to go through the whole the whole um arc of that yeah I mean I think your content is so strong, unique. And I love that. Obviously, I'm a little biased. You happen to be South Asian. (laughs) You know, we don't have too many strong voices on social media. We have obviously a large population and a lot of women who are posting a lot of different things. But very rarely do I see, you know, someone just saying something that a lot of people aren't saying. So I love what you're doing. But you also mentioned coddling earlier. And Mm -hmm. again, I was listening to you and I felt you were talking about me. And I feel like I'm one of those people as a millennial, right? We've now created millennial Mm. culture and memes and we're the depressed ones. And we're actually (laughs) the least successful generation, by the way, the millennials. Mm. But how have we as a generation come to a place where we can't cope with the bare minimum in life, you know, life experiences, we've all been coddled. 
And I didn't realize that until you mentioned it. So what, when you think about your upbringing and going to school and, and stuff like that, where do you see the coddling that happened? I think I was told obviously to work hard. And in my eyes, the coddling really came not from my home, but from television and, mm-hmm. you know, being in school and my teachers and being told that you can be anything and you can do anything. And if you believe it and if you work hard, you'll get it because we come from, you know, immigrant backgrounds, most of us, you know, me, I'm, you know, an immigrant myself. I was born in India. And so having that American dream sold to us and believing that because you're in America, you went to school in America, anything is possible. And that's not the case. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. That you can have anything because you're in America, period. Because you're in America, you can have everything. And if you don't have everything in America, that means you're not successful. And that's such a lot of, you know, that's, it's so big what you've said, because there's so many layers to that. On one hand, you can hear that and hear that's the messaging that American kids who are sort of now the elder millennials that make up the Insta therapists as well. And you can understand why they want fame and, and money so badly, because that's what they thought the future promised them. Um, and that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, this whole, you know, if you really want to break coddling is I would, I personally look at it in, in two ways. This is all based on the scholarship of Jonathan Haidt. So I have to say, say that. And if you want to read more, definitely look up his work. Um, and there's so much that he's put out about this, even his, the book, the coddling of the American mind, there's an afterward they've published on, I, I don't know whether it's Jonathan Haidt or his co or his co-author's website, but there's a few more chapters as well that are really interesting um, that I recommend people read. Um, but it's the Your Special Generation. And that's created an utter disaster. Cause what um I think through Jonathan Haidt's his his research and his work, he found that giving children constant unearned praise didn't create self-esteem it created narcissism and then 
there's vulnerable narcissism, which is the type of, you know, we've all heard of malignant and grandiose. Well, if you're plugged into Insta therapy, you have. Um, and there's a, another subtype called vulnerable narcissism. And I think I see a lot of that around me, which is, you know, it's the person who's sort of like, well, I'm special and other people aren't recognizing how special I am. And that kind of sort of like resentful, you know, learned helplessness place but you really believe that you're despite no evidence <laughs> at all a real sense of but I'm just so special and you know yeah you might be special but then so is everyone else and if everyone's special then no one's special um and I think this is a mistake that parents have been led to make I wouldn't say parents made it on purpose or for any nefarious reasons but you know, when you tell the kid you're special versus you're special to me, I think there are a lot of young people who are dealing with narcissistic injuries where they've um, grown up expecting that I'm going to, you know, get older. I'm going to magically have the career that I deserve because I'm so special and I'm going to have the massive house and meet someone and I'm going to have this charmed life because I'm so special, because I've been always been told if you dream it, you can have it and all this. And the world doesn't reflect back to these people that they're special. And that causes a huge narcissistic injury. And they just sort of deflate and get depressed and collapse into themselves. And then what you said about the, the least successful generation, there's this phenomenon called failure to launch. And that's a big thing with millennials, I think. Um, so, you know, this is another situation where not your fault, but it is your responsibility and we have to do something about it. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you from my early twenties, just when Instagram launched and I remember thinking, wow, we can all now share our photos and it's a chance for everyone to, you know, have a piece of fame in the world. That's really what it is. Yeah. We all want to be seen and heard in some sort of capacity and social media allows us to do that. And then, like you said, the dopamine rush, we all start posting things and doing things for the likes and for the attention, because at yeah. the end, human nature, we all want someone to like us or love us. And yeah. I remember once that influencer generation started, you know, blooming. And then you thought, wow, I can become a millionaire by posting and just saying <laughs> nonsense and maybe posting what's in my closet or cooking a meal. And then that's, I think, where the addiction came from. I think the root of most of our problems with social media is we all want some sort of fame. Yeah. Yeah. Or um, like it's interesting because the different apps function in different ways and each app has its own sort of culture. TikTok, I don't really understand much and I'm not on it. Um, I don't not you know, I think I set up a page, but I, I, I don't do anything to do with TikTok. Um, Instagram, I, I in my own head, I call it narcissistogram yeah. <laughs> because it's that's kind of what it is. And it's, um, you know, everyone just on there, like even even therapists on there trying to be influencers, but we're like, what pretending that we're not it's just ridiculous everyone's on there trying to be some kind of influencer some kind of something and I think the issue there is 
you you can't have attention just because you want it earn it you know do something worth you know receiving positive attention and that message is really missing from i think broadly from culture there's lots of you deserve it you're so worthy you're so special if you want it you can have it there's very little if you want it get up and earn it you can't just have it um and then twitter is much more sort of like discourse based isn't it you have a few sort of uh these entrepreneur types who are look at my thread of 10 apps to use for this and my um insights from business you have there's that you know um niche as well but overall twitter is a different culture to instagram Inst- and i probably is the visual medium maybe that's what it is and it we the selfie that came from instagram didn't yep. it absolutely and i think you should join tiktok i i like tiktok for education i learned so much from just you know how to clean the kitchen sink to you know how to draw a winged eyeliner but <laughs> again i see it changing there too because as much as i love tiktok for education sometimes an influencer will pop up on your feed and show you their new home that they bought thanks to you <laughs> thanks to the tiktok followers and then again you're like wow maybe if i keep posting i can buy a mansion on the ocean yeah. too like things like that i mean that's at the end of the day what it comes down to we just want all those things you know we live in a materialistic yeah. world and it's constantly thrown in our face like you said holiday porn wealth porn so as much as you may try to avoid it it's there on tiktok as well and as much as you can be uplifted on social media you can quickly be torn down which brings me to yeah. cancel culture mm. i am not a fan of cancel culture and you know i always say cancel me anytime we should call this podcast <laughs> like currently canceled but it's called currently <laughs> cringing i think we've just reached a point i agree with you when you say we've blunted our critical thinking you know i'm as someone who makes jokes or has my one liners that are meant to be witty sometimes in the comments people are offended and you know everything's now a thing you know cancel culture and toxic positivity i feel like you can't say anything anymore <laughs> no you can't you sit there in silence with your eyes like buttons <laughs> listening be listening to what they're telling you to do and then just be nod your head and be obedient i think that's what we're meant to do um it's yeah everything even down to like you said positivity is now toxic and even that don't be too don't be too positive because then might be toxic positivity it's um yeah i don't i don't give that any space on my page at all um this whole i'm offended and you can't say that don't like it don't look at my page that's you know i used to be a lot more accommodating of it but ultimately um we're all adults here I try and be, you know, careful with what I say and say it in a way that I'm happy with and that meet my standards for. You know, um like I'm not going to come out there and say something horrible or target in a, a group or something or whatever. So when someone turns up on your in your comments with this whole you use this word and I think this is actually a dog whistle for something that don't have any time for this and you and you're, you know, it's just looking for bad intentions where there aren't any 
And again, this is part of the whole clout thing. People get people who wouldn't otherwise get positive attention. They try to get it by policing other people and having authority and power over them. Like you, you, you know, you're a bad person. And if you said this, it means this. And people crumble immediately and bow down to it because who wants to be a call race called a racist? Of course, no one does. It's a horrible thing to be accused of. But it's another word that's been gone through this whole concept creep mill. And they've diluted this word down as well. And I don't know what it is, but it's always middle class, university educated. First world white people, always, right? Tormenting each other and everyone else. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I comment on anything unless I'm telling someone they look gorgeous, which is what I usually do. But other than that, I have nothing to contribute opinion-wise on the internet because I don't think it's a place where you're meant to sit there and discuss opinions. Yeah, I mean... That's kind of all I do on the internet, but on my own page, exactly. uh, on my on on Twitter and on Instagram, it's sort of it's not just about you know. I think a lot of therapists are on there to share therapy information. That's not really what I do. I don't think mine is more about views and and um, thoughts on culture, I guess, broadly, um, and maybe self expression because. Just sitting there and taking it, I think, is would drive me insane. I need to talk about it. Um, and I do quite enjoy that. And I'm lucky over time I've ended up with a really good group of followers. And probably because if somebody is consistently like that, I'm going to police your language and you have to bow down blocked. I'm not having it. Oh, I, um, block, I, I block all day. I, I see a yeah. negative comment and I block it. And I love how you talk about curating your page, if you don't mind sharing about that. Yeah. So, you know, I think um, we're going to have to think more and more carefully going forward about how we use social media. Um, I'm sure you've heard me say this on a different podcast, but I think in the future, social media will have warnings on it, like cigarette packets do, about, you know, adverse... um, impacts or effects of using it. Um, And you have to know what you're using. You're using something as addictive (laughs) as whatever illicit substance that you wouldn't take otherwise. Um, There's so much going on there that we could do a whole hour just talking about that, the way it's set up for comparisons. You're constantly in this weird sort of competition with other people that you would never even think of otherwise, or people trying to compete with you and you have absolutely no interest in it. And it's like, you know, some it's it's and it's it's all. It makes me wonder how much of it is just generated by the app. And sometimes I wonder if we're just all in a crazy social experiment. Um, it's going to be revealed at some point, and <laughs> we've all been experimented on. So, yeah, use social media intelligently and use the app. Don't let the app use you. Um, and don't follow things that make you feel terrible. I think there's such a basic thing, but I think people feel obligated or think I need to follow. If I unfollow this person because they follow me, I can't do that. Just mute them. Then you don't have to burn any bridges. Just set up your feed. So when you're scrolling through, it's something that's actually enjoyable, useful. You're looking at nice things. There's a bit of greenery in there. Maybe, (laughs) Um, you know, just, 
things that you enjoy. Um, and a lot of people, I think, go onto social media, not creators, just consumers, go onto social media for a break from mundanity and from life and just out of habit. And you don't want to be scrolling through your feed and looking at things that make you outraged or angry or whatever. Look at things that make you think that, that you know, things you, that you find funny. Like I try and put as much of that as possible in my stories um, so people find those things. But use it in a way that works for you. Yeah. And now you also talk, talk about unthinking. Mm-hmm. Can you explain that? Because I feel like we're just told to think all the time and to feel all the time. And I think it was so interesting when you said, you know, sometimes you're not supposed to think. I think there's a concerted push for everyone to um, look for bad intentions where they aren't any. I think that's that's a really big, big one. And it's definitely defines my experience on on Instagram, I'd say, where it's just the culture. Look for bad intentions where there aren't any. Tell people off for making innocent mistakes. You know, scold people. Um, and it's just, you know, you, it's it's losing. There's already so many barriers in the way to connection on social media. It's not connecting with the real human being. You're connecting with an image that they've carefully curated and put up, or like me, I've, you know, made the graphic um, in a graphic design software and you're looking at a few sentences and a thumbnail, that's not connecting with a person. Um, it's a screen. It's not a human being. There's so many barriers already in the way. And then to add this extra interpersonal barrier of always look for bad intentions with every single interaction always find a way that you can exert power over them, you know, by pointing out that their bad intentions that you sniffed out somehow, like an offense-seeking missile, and um, and then use it as a rod to beat, beat them over the head with. It's such an unproductive, like everyone is based, I can't remember where I heard this recently, where they said everyone online is reduced to an avatar, and it's true. It's true. It is true. And because we're reduced to these pages, right? That's what we are now. I think it's even seeping into our personal lives and, you know, dating culture right now. Everyone's disposable. We're swiping on people. I mean, Mm. if you said that to someone in like living in 1999, they'd probably (laughs) look at you like you were crazy. (laughs) But even that is a form of social media, dating apps. And we're literally just swiping on humans as pages. The same way we're scrolling, we're just going in a different direction, you know, side to side versus up and down. And I think there's a pandemic there as well. You know, a lot of people are single. No one is leaving their house. And rather than going out there and meeting someone and having a conversation, you'd rather hide behind your screen and either ghost someone or say the things you'd probably never say to their face in person and, you know, go out on multiple 
senseless dates just for the sake of it. Yeah, it's funny. I never thought of that. You're swiping side to side instead of up and down, but it's true. You are scrolling that way. And um, yeah, you're swiping on human beings like their products. Oh, I don't like this one. It's, you know, um, too tall or too short. The way you'd look at uh, vegetables, this one's not ripe enough or that one's a bit small for what I'm cooking. They're human beings, not bloody, you know, products or or produce. And there's like a paradox of choice there, because like you said, you're going to sit at home and swipe and look at the the dating pool that people are looking at is more than you anyone in history ever would have had. You'd have meet people where like your local church or Gurdwara or temple or mandir, um, or you'd meet people at school or uni or in your neighborhood or you know, through through friends or family. And that's a pretty limited number of people. You know, there's a lot of places I mentioned, but that's a limited pool of people versus in one evening swiping through 100, 100 profiles. In the world. So, like you can yeah. swipe through the world. <laughs> yeah. And how are you going to choose? If you have 100 people on there, how are you going to choose? And look at the whole, like we zoom out from this and look at it from a bird's eye view. You're special. You deserve the earth. Aren't you amazing? Right. And then give you 50 to 100 people to swipe through in a night. You shouldn't have to, they shouldn't meet all your needs. You don't have to do anything. You just your existence is like a blessing <laughs> in itself. And then um, the whole coddling thing and the more ice, you know, like, they say loneliness is like the new smoking and the isolation. Everybody's sitting in isolation in their homes, swiping on each other, reducing other human beings to avatars. And it's like you're sitting there on your phone. It's just you and this device. You know, imagine if you looked at yourself for, in the third person, it's you hunched over your device with it inches away from your face hours a day. But to the person, it feels like you're immersed in this other world. And it's true. Like we're already in the metaverse, right? Living in this virtual world. So much of our life is online now. And when you look at it from a bird's eye view or altogether, it's it's not painting a pretty picture. There are problems here. A lot of problems here. Um, and yeah, I think it'd be better off finding somebody somehow locally and meet a real human being and talk to them and look at their face, yeah. <laughs> not at a screen. And, you know, the mentality changes so much when you do that. Because if you're looking at people like products and you have hundreds, of, if you're a woman, I mean, let the dating apps work much better for women than for men. Everyone you swipe on, you match with pretty much, right? And if you're a woman sitting, then you've got all these choices even as a man, let's say you've, you know, a fair amount of choices online, you get this attitude of, right, if this one doesn't work out, just go back and start swiping again. There's what's the incentive to develop your relational skills or on, you know, you treat people like an old clock. It doesn't work anymore. We throw it in the bin instead of trying to repair it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for those of us that grew up in the culture where we didn't have the technology and then we transitioned into that, you know, I'm thinking about the next generation where all they grew up with is technology. At least yeah. I am able to go out there and socialize and, you know, 
talk to people and I enjoy it. I am an extrovert. So that's, you know, something I don't struggle with. But a lot of people have anxiety leaving the house. Yeah. Probably made worse by the last two years of um, everyone having to sit in the house. And it's understandable. I understand why people are now. I am too, right? I work from home. I'm home much more than I've ever been before 2020. Um, even down to now, just just become the habit to order groceries online instead of going to the grocery store because for two years that's what we did. Um, and but we have to, you know, challenge ourselves to to find a way out of this because sitting in your house alone. Uh, hunched over your phone, swiping on people and ordering food is no way to live. That's not a life. That's an existence. Yeah, absolutely. If you were to give our audience, you know, a positive message, you know, what would it be? It would be that even with these bleak things we've mentioned in this conversation, we're still all so fucking lucky. We live in the West. It's 2022 pandemic is now over and you know like life is getting back to normal we have the timeline and geographic lottery win um you know no other time in history did we have the kind of technological advancements or medical um innovations and things that are happening people live longer than they've ever lived before it's all out there you just have to go and get it and that's what it is don't sit on your ass and wait for it to come to you just go and get it and it's there you know, like just reach a bit, do a little bit of work. So there's a lot of, you know, it's a great time to be alive, but you have to put in a bit of work, which is good. It's going to make you. <laughs> I love that. And where can people find you on social media? You can find me on Instagram and on Twitter. Uh, I have a Substack as well, and I have a website. And I run, we were speaking about courses earlier. I actually have one, which is like an online membership. Um, it's low cost though. It's $40 a month. And it's a, I have a library of courses. I think we're up to nearly 15 courses now. So you can access the courses that keep adding new ones. Um, we have monthly hangouts where we talk about all the things we've talked about in this podcast because people, you know, need a place to talk about these things where they're not going to be screamed at and where you can, you know, it's the closest thing to face to face. At least it's it's a Zoom meeting, but at least you see it's a human being. Um, so that's, yeah, helpful. And what else? Where else do I have? I think that's most of it. Yeah. I think that's my online, yeah. And buy Sirat's <laughs> course. I mean, Sirat is a trained professional. I'm just telling people, don't buy the course from the random girl, <laughs> you know, sitting in her penthouse and talking about how she manifested this life. And, you know. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I even discard like, there's so many people I've told not to buy my membership um, because it's very obvious what they need is one-to-one therapy, not a membership. So I'm pretty clear about that. I have disclaimers on my sales page and I'm just like, no, the membership is not a substitute for actual therapy. This is something for, you know, because there's so much rubbish on Instagram and people don't know what's true and what's not true. So I'm making courses of information that you can actually trust. Like this is true. This is not weird nonsense. Um 
you know, pseudoscience or pseudo-psychological stuff. And there's a forum where you can talk to other people who have a similar kind of like-minded people. We have hangouts. Whenever I put up a new uh, course, I'll do a webinar. So trying to give people as much bang for their buck as possible. But no, it's absolutely absolutely not a substitute for therapy. And um, if I think someone needs therapy and they found their way into the course, always have a word with them and say, I don't think this is the right place that you need to find a therapist. Um, so it's a... It's it's been it's been really hard, but we're getting to a place now where it's building it. I mean, where it's a really enjoyable thing, and it's nice to have people on there, um, you know, of a similar kind of worldview uh, as us. And yeah, it's been it's been quite a cool. It's becoming a very cool project, I'd say. I've loved having you on here, and you know. To meet like-minded, strong women, it's always a pleasure. Oh, thank you so much. And the feeling is mutual. Really enjoyed talking to you. Yes, thank you so much for coming on, Sirat. Thank you so much for sipping the chai with me this week. If you like the show, remember to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also find me on Instagram at Anish Ramakrishna. I would love to hear from you. Join me next week for more chai. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thank you so much for sipping the chai with me this week. If you like the show, remember to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also find me on Instagram at Anish Ramakrishna. I would love to hear from you. Join me next week for more chai.